0: as well today and what would removing plastics do to grocery stores no more bananas no more off-season fruit like uh, raspberries or strawberries or anything like that Um, six billion dollars in additional increased costs unbelievable unbelievable stuff i think the cost is obviously too high but the liberals i think they think not high enough right they've got to increase the cost they've got to break canadians backs in order for us to accept a central bank digital currency here is well, uh, John, and he's an MP, he says, say goodbye to bananas and bagged salads. The liberals proposed P2 plastic ban will have a catastrophic impact on Canada's food security. Over 20% cost increase to produce, uh, increased food waste by 50%, and greenhouse gas emissions will double by another 22 million megatons. Will it double or will it be another 22 million megatons? (laughs) This is absurd. And it is absurd. It is absolutely absurd. These people are not they, they are not capable of running the thing that they are charged with running which is the Canadian government uh, but they are and they're doing a terrible job and we are suffering the consequences here is uh, Laney, Leanne 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 and she is talking about the impact of this p2 plastic ban here we go
1: Talking a lot in this committee, and I've asked several people this question with regard to the proposed P2 plastics ban uh, that the Liberal government is proposing. And we've heard Mm -hmm. that it's going to cost the industry $6 billion. And for the sake of again, for the sake of those watching at home, can you tell us why the new proposed ban on plastics could essentially cripple the produce industry in Canada and what effect it will have on consumers in terms of what it means for the availability of fresh produce in the grocery stores and the prices that consumers see. Like, what could we potentially see disappear from grocery store shelves, meaning what Canadians can no longer buy at grocery stores if this proposed ban goes ahead? So, this is very concerning, and I appreciate you bringing this up on committee. 90% Um, 90% of what packaging does, it does before the consumer sees it. So if this moves forward, the notice will remove all bag salads. It will remove all value-added, so all of the fresh-cut clamshells, of blueberries, strawberries, all of the uh, product that you would get out of California, ship Mexico uh, when we're not in season would be removed from the market just because it wouldn't be able to make the journey. We wouldn't have bananas in Canada because bananas are shipped in a plastic bag to Canada to control ripening and to control damage. So you would basically take out a significant portion of the market. You would add over 20% cost to produce that is available to the market. You would change the dynamic, even locally grown in Quebec, product coming out of the field shipped to uh, local uh, retailers would have a reduced shelf life. We would also see waste increase by 50%. We would see GHG emissions double by another 22 million. It's a dramatic impact to the industry and to the consumer.
0: That sounds bad. <laughs> I mean, that's enough right there to say scrap it, scrap the whole idea. And if this government doesn't want to scrap it, scrap them. Holy smoke! Right? Are you kidding me? All of the I like bananas. Right? I like the option of bananas. I like other fresh fruit clamshells. I liked. I like bag salad. I had a bag salad the other day. Uh, no E. coli. Yes. Right, So fundamentally, I think, again, that these liberals are running something that they don't understand and they're running an ideological plan that doesn't match up with the reality of the world. And that's, I mean, oh, it's frustrating because we have to watch it fail and it's going to fail on our dime because we are the taxpayer. Lori says, shocker, NDP, let's move on to the speaker gate. NDP is calling for disciplinary measures for Speaker Fergus, but they won't ask him to resign. The Bloc and the Conservatives do want him to resign. I don't know what the rules are. Usually, for Speaker, it's a unanimous, everybody agrees, kumbaya, because the Speaker has to be seen as impartial by all parties. And if the Speaker is not seen as impartial by all parties, he can't demand the House be something that the house doesn't view him as right he can't say you know we all have to be of the utmost decorum and all the rest of it because the house says well you're not dude like you're not behaving the in the right way so why should we right and so probably if the block and the cpc don't agree that disciplinary action and a fine is okay then speaker fergus will be on his way out but it seems like they're trying to save him it seems like they're trying to keep him in there because they don't want to go through another speaker in such a short period of time and i mean speaker fergus has already bent the knee as hard as you could bend the knee right as abs- like he's partisan and he's obviously partisan and that's the problem right so the liberals want to keep him because he's partisan <laughs> Black Locks reporter says Greg Fergus apologizes 13 times for poor judgment. I mean, he should apologize one more to make it even 14 times. Why is 13 unlucky? Why is 13 unlucky? That's weird. Um, anyway, uh, 13 times for poor judgment describes the $287,000, $400 a year speakership as an earn while you learn position. Like anyone who starts a new job, I'm working and learning on the job. Well, I mean, like you could be learning on the job every day of your job, really, like you should be, but I don't know that that extends to partisanship and ethics, right? Like if you're willing to steal from the register on the first day, that's not so good, right? Global News says NDP Greg Fergus should not resign as long as he pays a fine and apologizes. The Conservatives and Bloc Québécois have argued that he should step down. Well, I think he should step down. Partisanship is central to the job of the Speaker. And if if he's seen as partisan or or not impartial, then that's a big problem. And one that is fixed by changing the Speaker. But we'll see. We'll see if the NDP and the liberals get their way. Hmm. Michael Barrett, let's move on a little bit to the billion-dollar slush fund. He says, it pays to be a liberal insider. Former chair of Trudeau's billion-dollar green slush fund received $10 million in taxpayer money in just one year across government departments and agencies. Wow. I mean, that's pretty incredible. That's That's savvy use of government programs, right? If you're like, there's a lot of money I'm leaving on the table here, unless I act now and put together these companies that do whatever, whatever it is, right? Headhunt, intermediary, project manage, whatever it is, whatever the thing that they want them to do is. Um, Set up the company, collect the money, 10 million bucks. That's that's a pretty good payout, right? Um, One year. And Rick says breaking former chair of Trudeau's billion-dollar green slush fund received a whopping $10 million across government departments and agencies uh, in just one year. This is on top of the money she received from the slush fund that is under investigation for breaking ethics laws. So the slush fund was just padding it. I mean, if she'd left the slush fund alone, probably nobody would have found the $10 million across multiple agencies, right? Unbelievable. This is Michael Barrett and he says secret recording after last night's jaw-dropping testimony from the whistleblower at Trudeau's billion dollar green slush fund. Listen to what this government official said about the fund. So this is the part where the government official was brought the dossier that was described by the whistleblowers and and they said, you've definitely got a case. Like you, we have to pursue this. You've got a, a slam dunk case. I've shown this before it's funny that they're doing these games like with the shadows and, and everything because here is, where is he? on oh, the last one. I, here is the guy who was, who's blurred out. Remember yesterday's testimony? The guy's, I used this as the, as the thumbnail picture, right? He's, he's all blurred out here, but oh my gosh, bam, here he is not blurred out. So it's kind of, it's, it, it's, is that dishonest? I don't know, but we've heard this before. I've read this. I've I've read this out. Here's this as a reminder of what's going on. There's lots of shenanigans. Here we go.
2: There's, the the very preliminary uh findings of the of the fact finding exercise is that there is smoke around the vast majority of the allegations. We, we we said we would believe you, now we now there's enough evidence to say that we really do believe you. Um and that means that there is that that the government is going to have to take action. There's a lot of sloppiness and laziness. There is some outright incompetence. Um and uh you know the situation is just kind of untenable at this point. I think the the minister is going to flip out when he hears the stuff, and you know he's going to want he's going to want an extreme reaction, like shut it all down. Oh, it's it's unlikely that certain members of the board or the entire board uh, and, and and executive are going to be able to continue to serve. Like they've kind of lost the confidence. So it'll be so. Really, the discussion will be the, the mechanisms for um, for for getting getting them out. First of all, the. We need to have control of the board and in order to actually, um, like, have a plurality of votes if we want to go after the executive. So that's like, that's the stuff we're kind of the machinations are figuring out right now. But the report um, implicates the board in terrible ways, you know, um, like by not following process, by um, not following the COI regime, uh, by not uh, being uh, prudent fiduciaries. Like, it's just a board failure altogether.
0: So... <clears throat> that was in, I think it was summer, early summer, July. That's, I think that's when that happened. And these guys were saying the government is going to have to act. And I think how the government acted, I could be wrong, but I believe what happened was the government said to the board, you have to clean this up. And left all the board people in place to clean up the... All the terrible things that the whistleblowers, like the 300 page, 364 page dossier that they put together of all of these $150 million ta- of taxpayer dollars being funneled to private companies, conflict of interest, all sorts of stuff. The board that did that is supposed to clean that up. And I think they got given all of the, like the dossier put together by their, their own employees who they're badgering and using like you're using job reviews and management tactics to crush the employees basically so i don't think anything's been fixed but that's where we're at so we've known about this if you've watched this show for any length of time you've heard this before and that's because it's been reported before there's been a lot that's happened since then so weird right like weird what's going on and there's lots more um rot lots more theft here's mocha and this guy's doing great work he's running all over the place he was in alberta um, covering the coots guys yesterday and now he's reporting on this he says ex ranger kirk reese alleges money laundering and corruption within the Canadian Rangers. He has been trying to get his ordeal heard for years. I've embarked on a journey to re- to a remote community in BC to interview Kirk, review his evidence, and get to the bottom of this. Now I'll reach out to the National Defense and other agencies to get their side of the story. Once my investigation is complete, I'll release the report at at a media... I can't say his last name, so sorry, Mocha. Um, so please consider following along and supporting true investigative journalism. So yeah, I mean, good for him for putting this together. This is what this guy says. They're on a boat, I think. I thought he was driving some weird truck until I, because I, I was just watching the small screen and I thought the movement of that truck is just like, that would be a nightmare to be in that truck. And then I realized it was on the water and I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Okay, here we go. Canada has the worst
1: whistleblower protection in the world. There is none. It, it, protects the, it protects the criminals. Once the story gets out, I'll feel a lot better.
0: Sorry, that was a little loud at the beginning. I didn't realize. Um, but he says that there's no whistleblower protection in Canada. And be very careful if you plan to whistleblow in Canada because... Things, bad things happen to good people in Canada, and there's no there's no layers of protection to to help you with that. So that's I mean that's concerning, right? Jason says first of all, if you have to wear a blonde wig and blur your face to talk about what's happening within your own government, we have a problem. That aside, what's described here is fraud, robbery, and embezzlement. This is something you expect to hear in a RICO case against uh, against the mafia, not House Committee regarding tax funds managed by federal bureaucrats. And so this is part of, this is what I showed you yesterday, the five minutes. But interestingly enough, um, he's not blurred, right? There were other there were other committees that didn't have him blurred. Wiretap Media says, I'm watching the testimony now. His face isn't blurred and he isn't wearing a wig. It's a pretty sweet dye job, though. Conservatives are using dramatics because he asked for his name not to be used. So, I mean, if you're asking for your name not to be used, I mean, wouldn't it be prudent to also blur your face, like just to make it a little bit more difficult? Although he has a very distinct kind of hair color and and beard color thing going on there. So if you're walking around you're like, I don't know, man. How many other people in the office look like that? Don Martin says, I would say Philip Champagne has some serious explaining to do after this. Whistleblower alleges Liberal government cover up over a report on Green Tech Fund Agency via the Globe and Mail. So champagne is the minister in charge of or at the head of all of this and he's the minister who the 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 private recording was referring to like when he hears about this shit's gonna hit the fan and he's gonna want to shut it all down that's champagne who he was talking about clearly that didn't happen it looks like champagne said well let the board fix it let the board figure it out (laughs) i guess or maybe champagne doesn't know about it up till now i think he probably knows um are things going to change i don't i doubt it like are they going to fire the whole board? They were talking about the people in July were talking about the private um, recording of that one person was talking about you know the next step is figuring out the machinations of getting that board out so I they didn't do it <laughs> like and now I mean it's six months later and still no real solution as far as I understand it. In fact, the, the conservatives are just now making political hay out of it. So, I mean, weird, right? Weird. Here's um, a little bit more from the slush fund. Mark, Michael Barrett says, sudden goodbye after re- revealing her company is ten receives $10 million in one year from this liberal government. Trudeau's former chair of his billion dollars green f- slush fund tries a new obstruction tactic, just walking away from the committee. So she's in the middle of a sentence, and then she just takes off your earphones and walks out. So here we go. Um,
3: I uh, take responsibility and governance very seriously. Um, I am uh, chair of a governance committee of a major company in Canada. I I understand. <laughs> um, I uh, take Responsibility and governance very seriously. Um, I am uh, chair of a governance committee of a major company in Canada. I I understand.
0: Sorry, I played it a second time because the first time the the audio was very quiet and I I didn't realize that it was down. Um, that's weird, right? That's a strange. She understands that she's just walking out right now. I understand that I'm getting up and leaving. Okay, uh, Holly Dillon. This is further just money. Uh, She's reporting Canada has not gained a single thing of tangible value for the $159.2 million U.S. purchase of shares in the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, says a Canadian who worked as a senior exec. So I reported on this yesterday, but I didn't have the number. Um, What does Canada receive materially? Or, you know, in in considerations, like, is there a measurable, tangible benefit to this 159 million? And these guys are saying, no, there's not. And I I would believe that. There's a lot of waste. We seem to be spending a lot of money on Ukraine, for one example, but there's others. Um, Where Canadians ourselves... Or the country of Canada doesn't actually get any tangible benefit. We're just doing it $159 million here, $200 million there for the, out of the goodness of our hearts, right? Almost a billion dollars in housing migrants and hotels and meals and all sorts of things like that. Where retirees who've paid taxes into the country for their whole lives get not even half of what the migrants get. What? how does this make any sense right and how are we supposed to be okay with that it's just wild it's incredible um so i'm i'm blown away i'm just blown away that there's this constant stream of money leaving the country and canadians are just asked to suck it up and give more because you know we're a rich country you know okay not if you keep stealing all of our money <laughs> Edward says the universal banking fraud you saw in the great financial crisis where not one banker went to jail has gone up a notch. To the governments and the central bank level so all this ridiculous bs we are seeing since 2020 beginning with the covid response then inflation and wars and now looming cyber climate crises is just the death throes of a global financial debt system that mathematically has to fail and needs to be blamed on blamed on something else additionally those responsible would like to retain their power and shepherd the new system or reset as they like to call it yeah that's exactly what's going on so usually you'd have a war and the war would be to blame for the crash of the economy or whatever and they'd rebuild the economy and the details of the rebuild of the economy like we're issuing a new system that's zeroed out all the debt's zeroed out, and we can start at zero again and then you have this roaring period of time where you know it's it's very, very lucrative to get into all sorts of businesses because there's all sorts of investment money because nobody's got any debt and people are looking to reestablish positions and all sorts of stuff. Um, but these guys want to keep the structure of how we live. They just want to update to central bank digital currency. And the system that we have, it used to be that a single income would be able to afford a house and you know to put your family to keep your family fed and to keep the house in good order and to have a car and to pay for education and all the rest of it um, it was one job and now your buying power is such that even you know double income household is having a hard time paying mortgage payments right so buying power the currency is not valuable as valuable as it used to be and so indicating if kids can't afford housing ergo the 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 monetary structure needs to be reset, uh, but I mean there are other indicators et etc and usually the lifespan of a fiat currency is what forty years fifty years sixty years, or something like that uh and at the beginning, the interest rates are very uh high, but borrowing is cheap for whatever reason i can't remember there was um there was talk of the great british pound like the the pound. And when you invested in just regular GICs, you got a great return. There was all sorts of financial benefits to being early at this new currency. Uh, But as the currency ages, it gets harder and harder to squeeze that juice out of it. Right. And now we're at the end and nobody can squeeze any juice out of anything because it's all gone and they need to reset it. Right. And they need a war to blame it on. Usually they do. But we're not allowing that to happen for some because we're able to see it more clearly than we've ever been able to see it before because of the internet, which is why they have to censor it. (laughs) So it's very interesting. It's very interesting to live in this period of time because it seems like they're trying to get people to just ignore what's going on. And people, the more they lie to people and the more they try and tell people, don't worry about it, we're worrying about it, so you don't have to worry about it, the more people pay attention. But still not enough for paying attention. Look at what's going on in Ireland. So... It's very, very concerning there too. Rex Glacier says, just breathtaking what liberal government has done to our military. The Canadian army needs to spend $220 million to replace gear donated to Ukraine, says General. Great, right? We had we had not enough sleeping bags, even 2021, like even before sending all of our stuff to Ukraine. Um, we didn't have enough sleeping bags for deployments. We are not kitted out for our own military, but we're sending Ukraine military kit. How does that make any kind of sense? Just like, how does it make any sense to import people? We can't house. It's incredible. Here is a grab bag of governance stuff. Um, TAF says breaking Justin Trudeau's senior MP jumps ship to resign immediately. Counter signals reporting that and it's Carolyn Bennett, So she's, she's older right? She's been an MP for 26 years. CTV's reporting Caroline Bennett stepping down as liberal MP for Toronto St. Paul after 26 years. So that's, I mean, you know, notable. Is this because something is going on or is she just deciding right now is a good time to retire? That's weird, right? Um, Especially in light of the the scandals surrounding all of the money going to liberal insider companies. I wonder if she's caught up in the scandal and is trying to get out ahead of it, right? Like, well, former liberal MP rather than liberal MP, right? Sounds better. Um, Bob Zimmer is bringing up a petition that the MP in the riding wouldn't bring up. So, and he's getting told by liberals that he's not allowed to table this petition. And he's saying, watch as the Liberal NDP try to stop me from reading out the law-abiding firearms owner's petition from the residents of Prince Rupert, uh, Kitimat, Terrace, Smithers, and I'm not going to try that one. Um, Here we go.
3: Thank you, Madam Speaker. My second petition is from residents of Skeena-Buckley Valley. Sadly, their own MP would not present this petition on behalf of residents of Smithers. Prince Re- I,
0: have a, I have a point of order from the Honourable Member. New Westminster, okay. Burnaby. Um,
3: Madam Speaker, the member's experience, he knows that that's a yeah. clear violation. The point is being made, though, is that they've tried to get their local Member of Parliament order. to do this and they, they won't do it. I've already told the Honourable Member that is not permissible. And apologize, please, for, for making that reference. I want to ask <laughs> the Member to apologize. I guess if it's the That's rules so of, of the House of Commons, and then, then I'll apologize. I certainly won't apologize for speaking on behalf of residents of skeena buckley here, here, here. Valley. Uh, and I'll say, I'll speak to the petition, Madam Speaker. They're trying to interrupt a very. And that is the
0: other, the, the honourable member. All that the honourable member has to do is to speak to the petition. We'll keep going.
3: I'll finally get. So a member for Vancouver
0: East on the same point of
3: order. Madam Speaker, he apologized but I am asking for him to retract those comments. So, that's one more crack at this. Uh, I will get to the petition, uh, thankfully, finally. Uh, We, the undersigned citizens and residents of Canada, draw to the attention of the House of Commons to the following uh, petition. Whereas the Trudeau government has attempted to ban and seize the hunting rifles and shotguns of millions of Canadians.
0: Okay. The Honourable Member will give me a minute here to consult, please. (laughs) Uh, it's like watching high school kids. It's just ridiculous. But it's very interesting to, to see the liberals screeching and trying to shut down a petition being read in the House of Commons. And unfortunately, I really the petition stuff, it really feels like a substitute for actual action. Right. It's it feels like you're doing something, but you're not actually doing anything at all. Right. And so mm, it's frustrating because what's going to happen? Right. The liberal government is going to say, OK, 200,000 people want a vote of no confidence. Well, it's a shame that that doesn't translate to, you know, like votes across Canada. Two hundred thousand dollars or 200,000 people is not 40 million people. Uh, Have a good day i like, what's going to happen? I'm sorry. I just, I don't believe in anything going to happen with this petition. Um, we'd have, we'd do better to have the truckers go back to Ottawa and stand there until Justin Trudeau is removed from office, right? And refuse to leave um, and, and have everyone else support them. That would be, that would be more effective than a petition, right? Because it's action. For example son of a bench says what is the first thing that you think of when you see this image from the government of canada and the image is it looks like it's promoting the suicide crisis helpline the 988 number but it's 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 got like a yellow sun type thing and the yellow sun says well the yellow sun has thinking of suicide help is available it's not really a sun it just kind of looks like that it's just yellow like a sun and it's circular, kind of like a sun in the background. And it says, thinking of suicide help is available. And then it's got a hand with a heart on it. Like the, <laughs> like that part in Indiana Jones where the guy rips the guy's heart out and he holds it up. And he, right? Like that. <laughs> Holding somebody's heart. So what does this make you think of? Are you thinking of suicide? We could help. Like, we'll, we'll just send this guy with, he can rip your heart right out. Rush. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't make me think that they're going to prevent my suicide. It didn't make me think that. So one of the things that Canada also engages in here, this is illustrated in San Francisco, but this is happening in Toronto as well. Uh, But also I think all across Canada too. Um, Premix says, traffic citations in San Francisco seem to have disappeared. Is the city not interested in any sort of law enforcement? So there's no traffic enforcement at all. No traffic citations in San Francisco. And Bellagio says, this is how San Francisco fakes its crime statistics. The law is not enforced, so the crime is not reported. Right? So nobody reports it. It wasn't a crime, right? Didn't happen. So, and that's what's going on in Toronto to a degree. And further, they're classifying crimes differently. So people who, who do end up being booked for certain crimes... It's usually uh, classified as nonviolent or um, they're out in a quick succession due to bail laws, blah, blah, blah. So there's a whole bunch of like stats about how many people spend three days in jail after being arrested or something like that. They're all zeroed out, right? Like due to different policies encouraging judges to let people out early and so on and so forth, it makes the crime statistics look better. But the reality of the situation is the streets are more dangerous, and that's bad. Um, Global News is reporting Ottawa will revamp a Second World War era housing plan to speed up the pace of home building in canada housing minister sean fraser says and rupa says private developers will be encouraged to use standardized government building blueprints for housing this was done after the war to quickly build houses for returning soldiers and the fact that the government is doing this in 2023 reeks of desperation she says standardized housing was a feature of soviet communism how lovely it's being considered in canada in 2023 by the trudeau liberals standardized and mediocre is a theme of Trudeau's Canada, yeah, and it's unfortunate because um, like building beautiful things is ins- inspirational, right? And building uh, row housing or big towers is is not really inspirational. It's not it's not one of those things where you think lovely architecture, right? Like New York isn't known for the skyscrapers because the skyscrapers are eyesores, right? They're they're supposed to be attractive buildings probably but the new york is is cool because of other architecture as well um but i I don't know that you can just put up skyscrapers everywhere and expect people to enjoy it especially if the skyscrapers are low-income housing like it's not gonna it's not gonna look great right hello everyone thanks very much for watching this is just a short version of a longer show if you'd like to get the whole show you can go over to canadapoly.com and sign up for a subscription Just look in the drop down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.